Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Our Next Guest Is. G'day, and welcome to another Our Next Guest Is. This is a conversation where we meet the country's leading speakers who work in the corporate world, and we get to meet the person behind the reputation. My name's Michael Pope, and I'm here, as usual, with Carson White from Leading Voice. Carson, who is our next guest? Our next guest describes himself as a successful and unsuccessful entrepreneur, a storyteller, a marketer, an addict, a mental health advocate, a sexual abuse victim, and someone who lives with post-traumatic stress disorder, but he is also a survivor. As the only person in Asia-Pacific to have worked at both Facebook and Twitter, he's also a thought leader in using social media as a storytelling tool for businesses and individuals. Our next guest is Nick Bowditch. Welcome, Nick. G'day. Thank you for having me. It's a long intro. It's a big business card. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. It's always weird hearing it, too. I hear it when I'm introduced on stage as well, and yeah. I always think, oh, God, here we go again, you <laughs> yeah, know? That guy. Yeah. Let's jump in where Carson ended, and that's Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. How can I get more friends? You know, how can I get more likes on my Facebook? Do you mean real friends or <laughs> Facebook friends? No, I've got enough of both. But tell us about that life experience that you learned from working with Facebook and Twitter. Mate, it was, it was great. I, I worked at Facebook for about three years. I used to run small business and startup operations for Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. And when I joined Facebook, it was still very small. The office here in Sydney was very small. Our Singapore sort of office was very small. Even the mothership in, in the valley was small. So it was really startup-y and it was, it was great. Right. You know, just an amazing opportunity for me. I, I was able to work with, literally work with geniuses every single day. And uh, I learned something every day and I learned something about myself every day, which was good too. What was one of the things that you remember learning at that Facebook time? The thing that struck me over and over was how big this thing was. You know, mm. how, how many... And could be. Yeah, at that stage, what well, it could be. Yeah. But it was, you know, so many people are logging into this thing mm. every day. So many people are having their life in some ways determined by what we were doing. And, and it was a... What do you mean by that, Nick? Well, we could make tiny little adjustments to how the interface looked, how the website looked, oh, how I things see. worked, yep. and it yep. could make a really, really big difference. Our, our motto sort of internally at the time was making small changes that have big impacts. Mm. And especially in small business land where... You know, we had tens of thousands of clients mm. who, who were advertising on Facebook at the time in Australia and New Zealand. I couldn't have a touch point with all of them. Yeah. But every time I did, I was, I, I was struck by how we were changing people's lives. We were changing their business, which was changing their life. Can you take us back to that time and give us an example of where one little change really had an impact in the take-up usage yeah, of the platform? The, so there was a little boutique in a town called Cooma in New South Wales, which is near Snowy Mountains. Yeah. And this little small business without Facebook would have just been confined to Cooma and, and that would have been great, you know, they would have probably done all right. But it became a global uh, phenomenon in some ways just because of the access to this platform which let them tell their story at a, at a, on a larger scale. And they suddenly got clients and, and customers from all over Asia and then all over the world. And, right. and, and without Facebook, it just wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have grown the way that it did. And it changed not only the retailer's life, but it changed Kuma in some ways. Really? It changed wow. how other yeah. businesses in Kuma re- related to the, the Facebook platform as well as related to these people who own this business. Yeah. And, and it really had like a significant, legit effect on the whole community. And it was just 
just blew me away. You know, like, I, I mean, I wasn't controlling that as sure, much sure, as, sure. you know, I was just working with them and, and sort of cheering for them. In some ways. Yeah, it's interesting you, you say that because obviously Facebook um, has had a bit of negative publicity. So to hear a positive story like that, I don't think Facebook have actually done very well in actually sharing that kind of side of their business. No, we we did a very poor job. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> About I could selling your own story. Yeah, yeah, I could put my hand up for that as well. Yeah. We, we were kind of confined by different cultural impacts and stuff. You know, it's a big American company mm. operating in Australia. There's always, there's already that little disjoint. There's all mm. that, that well, there's, the, there's the cultural dis- disconnect straight yeah. up, but also the geographical disconnect from head office, which would be huge. But more so the cultural one because, yeah. cause, you know, I was being told by my bosses in California, just go big, just tell people how great it, you know, not, not in these words, but tell yeah. people how great it is and the changes you're making. I'm thinking, dude, we can't do that here. Yes. You know, we, we can't speak respond. to Australians that no. way. You yeah, know? Yeah. So, so what's interesting, though, is that Facebook is fantastic as a medium for business to tell their own stories, <laughs> but the irony in the whole thing is they couldn't tell their own story. <laughs> no, which is, in fact, why they even built the team out here in the first place. Yeah. You know, they, they could have just parachuted a whole lot of Americans in, mm. but that, they knew that wouldn't work because of that cultural difference. And you've been in the unique position of working with both Facebook and Twitter. What was the cultural difference between those two companies? Huge. Well, it was the difference between something that is the world phenomenon and the other one who's coming, who's right. trying, who's building towards being that market leader. I mean, there was really, there wasn't, and there still isn't, a peer of Facebook mm. in, in a lot of ways. I mean, Instagram is, but it's owned by Facebook anyway. So, you know, it's, they've controlled that very well. But at Twitter, it was, um, it was a much harder job because the great majority of people who had a Twitter account or have a Twitter account in Australia and New Zealand just use it as a voyeur sort of thing. They just watch things with it. They don't right, actually okay. interact as, mm. they, as people do on Facebook. So yeah, they might be watching Q&A or something like that on Monday night on the ABC yeah. and watching what people say, or The Bachelor yeah, yeah, <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Which is more Carson. Uh, yes, yeah. But, <laughs> well, they, a, yeah. but they don't actually <laughs> post as much. Right. So it was very difficult to to tell that story again. And yeah. at Twitter, we were just kind of two years behind everything we I'd already done at Facebook, um, which was fine because it kind of had the blueprint for how it would work, but it, it was a much harder sell, okay. a much harder sell. Okay. You've used the word story a couple of times, yeah. and I know a, a big component of your speaking work is using that word storytelling. Um, you mentioned the Kuma company who had to get their story out. Well, what's your understanding of what a story is for an individual or for a business? Well, I'll tell you what I think it isn't. Yeah. I'll tell you what I think we do it poorly at is, is that Australian aversion to being able to say, this is what we do. We're really good at it. That's why we charge this much. And we're not going to make any sort of allowances for that. We're not yeah, going right. to apologise for that because yeah. everything and that's don't try us... and get my figure down yes. because I'm worth what I'm worth. Yeah. We and, don't do that well. And and the story of everything that leads up to that tells you why I charge that much. Tell you why I'm really good at it. Tells you what I've been through, and I'm, that's why I'm not going back. Right. We don't tell that. We just tell the present thing of I've got this thing to sell to you. It costs this much. You can buy it this way. Mm. There you go. Mm. You know. And people are like, oh, tell me why. <laughs> like, tell me why it would change my life. Tell me. You know what? What difference is going to make to my life? Yeah. We, we do that very poorly, right? So, Nick, we're talking about story. So, let's take a look at your story a bit more. Then, so going back pre Facebook, Twitter, and and you've been very open and honest about your mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So, take us tell us about your story. So, I live with um, post traumatic stress disorder. I also live with depression and anxiety. These are things that I live with. I don't battle against or suffer from. I think I'm, I'm big on words having power. So, I did, uh, did it begin with a battle against? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it can be 
at any moment if I oh, right. if, if I allow that to be. But I, I sort of reframe that story again in my head as this is these are the things that that I live with, and and they. Yeah, the post-traumatic stress relates to childhood trauma, which I did nothing about. It wasn't my fault. Mm. It's, you know, all those things that, that I know are true now. But when I'm not well, when I'm in a moment where, where my mental health isn't great, I can blame myself. I can make that part of mm-hmm. my story, and that can kind of ruin everything. You know, so that's an interesting forward. point you make there. So story is very powerful for positive things, but also the self-story or the self-talk oh, can be your own story in a negative way. can be 100%. detrimental. Yeah. And it all comes down to how you frame it. Yep. Or reframe it. Yep. And that's why I think I don't say that I suffer from depression. I don't say that I battle against anxiety or, or anything like that. I say these are things I live with. Hmm. You, you, know, you, and, are, you own them as here. part of you. Yeah, you own and, them as part of who you are. And, and in fact, if I didn't have those, I wouldn't be the person you am today. I yeah. am. Hmm. And so it's something that I think we, we victimize ourselves in, in a way of saying, you know, these are the things I battle against because it, I don't want it to be an adversarial thing because every time it's an adversarial thing, I'm going to lose because <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's too big against and the it's big too team. ugly. Yeah. Do you think that enlightenment is being taken up by the greater community? Are people who are living with depression and anxiety uh, more accepting of it and learning to live with it rather than to overcome it? Um, I think that we are more likely to talk about it Yeah. and we're more likely to see it on the news in Movember and you know, different things. I don't think that we're more likely to re- reframe our story into living with it yet. Mm. And I talk, um, Carson, we've talked about this a lot. I, I talk about my character defects. I'm making the bunny ears as I say that because I, I don't think it's a fair thing to say. But the D- defects- just explain bunny ears is uh, in, in, in quotes. <laughs> Nick just his yes, fingers yeah. up. And, um, I didn't I, see the bunny, but I, anyway, yes. I prefer to think of those things as my superpowers. Right. You know, they're the things that really make me who I am. And, and without without the depression and anxiety and without my history of addiction, without my post-traumatic stress, I'm somebody else. Right. And I don't, I don't necessarily love that person. Like, I'm used okay. to this one. Mm. So tell me how that very rich and complex personal life, married with your successful business life, came together to put you on stage to talk to people <laughs> about both. Uh, slowly yeah. uh, is, is how it happened. Because originally as I started to speak in front of audiences, I was speaking about startup and my sort of my occupational background yeah. of you know, being able to, to build businesses on, on platforms like Facebook. And then eventually I just thought, you know, this is great and, and people are listening and it's nice, but it's kind of hollow because I'm not really telling people who I am or why I am. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like it was always a thing that if – if I don't go first, no one else will go second. You know, right. I'm a big believer in when I stand on stage in front of a thousand people and talk about how I live with anxiety and depression, I, I'm I'm kind of giving people permission who's in that audience, giving them permission to own that stuff too. You know, mm. not to celebrate it or yell it out or anything mm. like that, or mm. not even to have actually have to say it to anyone, yep. just to go, yeah, that's. That's what I'm going through as well, you know, and it's a nice little um, thing that I think that has turned into a speaking career more and more where people just want to hear real stuff. Yeah. Um, as opposed Being authentic to, is a, a very much uh, a big push in your presentations, uh, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so a big part of when you're up on stage, you're telling your story, um, that then gives them, that helps people understand how they can tell their story as individuals and businesses. Yes, because I feel like people are unexpected, like it's unexpected. People yep. are surprised. 
Well, people are surprised anyway when I get on stage at a business event because I don't, as you know, I don't really. You're look not like, overly corporate no. uh, in your appearance. I and think it, the speedos you're wearing now are really <laughs> are really appropriate though for a podcast. There's a mental image. Um, <laughs> no, funny is sticking out the back. <laughs> but I, but I do think that so on stage I'm I'm different immediately, and I can see I can literally see the moment where I disarm people when I when I say mm. you know when I talk about my abuse history it's, or yeah. what I'm and people are uncomfortable. And some people just nod and go, I know I'm speaking straight to them. Right. Yeah. And they, they right. get it, you know? So you're on stage, you're doing your thing. What's the big thing for you that you try and get across to your audience? You're passionate about storytelling. I, yes, I am. But I, I want them to own their story. I, w- I want them to be the person who's writing it. They might not have been the person who has written it up to that point. Mm, mm. But I really want them to go forward and write the rest. Okay. So I'm in the audience and you've, you, you're saying that. How do you do that? Well, yeah, good question. Everybody is totally different. Yep. Some people are very ready to do this. Some people are, whoa, that is, that is way too hard for me and my brain to deal with. You know, I think about it from a branding point of view because I always yep. think about everything from a branding point of view. If you're going to be your own brand, people who are sole traders, small business people, and they talk about we and us as if they've Trying got this to huge give the team behind yeah, them. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. And I just think that's bullshit. Yeah. You know, like, uh, people want to, have, want to support a small business because it's a small business. So would you put – be authentic at number one. Better, Absolutely. Better than um, appear bigger than you are or appear that you can have all the solutions. Well, you can't do both. You can't be authentic and say you have all the solutions. Because no one has all the solutions. And you can't be authentic and say, and we're big and right. we're global and, and whatever. Yeah, okay. if, if it's just you and your jammies at home, <laughs> which a lot of small businesses yep, in reality, just celebrate. Yeah. But, but, but doesn't the customer, doesn't the market resist discovering that it's Johnny with his pyjamas at home? I think in 2007 we did. Yes, but the world's Which changed. Which is when yeah. I was wearing my pyjamas at home. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think that's true anymore. Yeah. Okay, great. People want to support you and your business because it's you yeah. and your business. People want to support a small sole trader because, I mean, that's why IGA exists in the same market as Coles and Woolies. Mm. People would go there. Well, they go here or they go to the little corner shop. Mm. There's choices and people support who they want to support because they want to support. So, so this is, this is the, really the power is what we're trying to say with storytelling is that as a business owner and an individual within the business, being able to really communicate who you are, what you stand for, your integrity and build a trust with your customers. That's in, the in power. an open and honest way. Yes. So that's the, the power of it. So if I'm a small business person, what's the first step you think I should do? I've got a little business on Facebook and I want to try and build that. Yep. It's, it's so cheesy, right? It's really cheesy. But I think we need to start with talking about why you do it. Yep. Tell the market why you're in the market. Tell the market how you're going to change their life. Like it's, it sounds really woo-woo. Yep. And, yep. But that's the stuff. That's the stuff that exposes you for who you are and takes off all that corporate rubbish and all the masks yeah. and everything yep. else and just says, this is who I am. If you want to support me and my family, that would be great. You could buy this. And mm. when they're honest like that, then I imagine metaphorically customers look them in the eye like you do as a speaker to your audience and you can see those moments of connectivity. Or they don't, right? So there's some parts of the market which are like, oh, no, no, I want, I want Lexus. Big I don't shiny, want, yeah. I don't want Datsun. Yeah. Or, you know, I want Coles. I don't want IGA. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least they know who they're dealing with. Yeah. So... I imagine in your presentation, Lexus and Datsun. You like that? <laughs> you Datsun saw us don't both. Exist anymore. You, you obviously saw us both drive up to this uh, venue. Um, I'm in the Datsun. <laughs> yeah, uh, I imagine that you, in your presentations, move us from the individual also to the business, to the yeah. company, to the brand. How yeah. do you do that? Can a business be seen as an individual with a story? 
not as much as the players within it. It's the sum of all the parts, right? Mm. People often say to me things like, I want to sell to the CEO of this major conglomerate. But I can't do that, can I? Because it's business to business and it's really hard. I can only do it on LinkedIn. And I think, no, 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 you're missing the point. Because that person, he or she, at 10 o'clock at night, is sitting on their lounge watching The Voice, two shardies in, and they're Jenny or John. You know, yeah. that's we're, yeah. we're all consumers in that now. Yeah. Facebook's done that. Well, I think you can brand a business a little bit personally. I'd rather talk about the sum of all those parts. Like, mm. who are the players, the bit players in that, and what are they doing, and how can I speak to them? How can I change their life today? You know, that's, that's what I think about a lot. Let's take you, Nick, on stage. What's the experience? What's the Nick experience like? Is it a keynote? Is it a five-day it's workshop? It's fantastic. <laughs> That's the word I was looking for. Um, the majority of what I do is keynotes, yeah. um, either opening or closing days generally, but you know, all, all different things. I do a bit of MC work. I do a little bit of workshop stuff, but it's mostly, it's mostly a kind of kick up the bum. And do any particular sectors that you, that you really um, connect with? Um, the rooms that are the most receptive for my message yeah. are those that can accept things put to them a little bit differently I guess um, so you know uh, the more woo woo the crowd the, the better the less the less hard I have to work right, right, right. to be able to say this is what I think and uh, but I love I love a really stiff suits crowd as well because yeah. <laughs> you like seeing them take the jackets well, off I yeah. guess yeah, yeah absolutely but the interesting thing about the, the stiff suits crowd that you describe once they take their suits off and they get home they're yeah. all human beings they're all individuals so a collective in a room so Really, there's no audience that you couldn't hear your message. No, and I mean, that's, that's the reality. And that's, that's, yeah. that's what's great about the challenge. That first 10 minutes yep. in, a, in, a, in a suits type room, in a yep. corporate room, the first 10 minutes of me telling my story as authentically and raw, you've heard it as, as I do, they take the jacket off, yeah, like great. metaphorically. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and some don't. Yeah. It's okay. Because they, yeah, particularly with the mental health side of things, I mean, there's not one person in any room today will not know someone that's affected with mental health issues. So no. when you talk about that, straight away you can build a rapport with your audience. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan of celebrity in general, right? Mm. But, but the fact that there's so much celebrity endorsement of mental health and mental health advancement mm-hmm. actually helps me get on the stage and talk about these yep. things as well because they're like, oh, I've heard Rihanna talk so about that. It must yeah, be okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, given that you are so passionate about storytelling, no surprise that you've written some books. Uh, one is called Actually It Is All About Me. Yeah. Uh, explain that in a nutshell. The first one I wrote was Reboot Your Thinking and it sold really well as a bestseller and the Actually It Is All About Me was the follow-up. And the Reboot Your Thinking was basically how I live with my mental uniqueness, I yeah. call it. I don't like that's mental Because nice. the battle's my, over. You're not right. fighting the battle anymore. It just is. It's just unique. So, um, and then the follow-up was, is that actually it is all about me. And it's about codependence. It's about um, how we don't put ourselves first. And we put some people. And, you know, we put a lot of other things in place so that we don't have to think about our own stuff. And we turn into people pleasers so that we don't ever have to please ourselves. And we can fall through the cracks, you right. know. And this book's got some tips about how we can become yeah. more caring of ourselves. It's full of stuff about how I try to do this every day. <laughs> I'm very realistic about this stuff. I haven't I haven't cracked the code. You're not yet. living in Nirvana yet? No, not yet. Okay. But, but um, yeah. What, what you are clearly living in is a really authentic space for you. Marrying that experiences in your life, a lot of which you didn't ask for, some of which you've certainly planned, but all those experiences coming together with your work experience does create a really unique but very authentic, and that's fantastic. And, you know, that's not for everybody, but when it is, you know, I think it's, it, it hits home. It's, it resonates with a lot of people sitting there who can, who can resonate with my own story. Maybe not all the bits, as you say. Yeah. 
but everybody has challenges they live with. Absolutely, and the Speedos is just one of them. <laughs> Thanks for your time. You're very well. If you want Nick to come into your conference or event and share the power of storytelling with your delegates, please go to nickbowditch.com.au. You've been listening to Our Next Guest Is, brought to you by Carson White from Leading Voice and MC Michael Pope. You can hear all our guests on iTunes or simply visit www.ournextguestis.com.au. But until next time, let's take a break. <laughs>